Welcome to Preston Minster. Find your home, find your purpose, transform your city. Let's jump into this week's talk. Good stuff, good stuff. Hopefully, hopefully you've had a good week. Hopefully there was something to share. Do you ever get to that point, though, sometimes when people say, oh, how was your weekend, or how was your week? And you're like, I have no, I bet you all did that. I've, I've totally forgotten what I've done. No idea. You just completely forget, don't you, when somebody asks you what you've done. Um, hopefully, you had a few highlights to share, though, and things like that. You can carry those conversations on uh, after the service as well. It's always nice to hear a humdrum of people chatting in church. That's always a good thing. As Hannah mentioned, today is Giving Sunday, guys. It's Giving Sunday. And people have like a mixture of responses when it's Giving Sunday. That's why we never announce when it's happening. You just come to church one day and it's like, oh, it's Giving Sunday today. Um, So people do have a mixture of responses. Um, And you might be here this morning thinking, oh man, this is the the sort of the giving pitch. It's where they talk about, you know, how we're supposed to give to church and all that kind of stuff. You might be here, I've met some of you already for the first time and thinking, oh, does this church always talk about giving every Sunday? Well, we designate a couple of Sundays a year just to talk about, about giving broadly speaking. So giving towards the church, but also just some principles from Scripture. That's really the job of the preacher in any talk, to really show what the Bible says about any given subject. And we earmark just a couple of Sundays a year to look at what the Bible says about giving. It's such a key topic because, as Jesus says, where our treasure is, there our hearts will be also. I feel like we should all join in with that. You know, like sometimes in Pentecostal churches, it's like people say, Jesus says, where our treasure is, there our hearts will be also. It's like, it's not, it's like responsive. It gets me feeling like you guys are with me, like we're on this journey together. So I don't know how you're feeling, whether you're thinking your heart just sinks, it's like, oh no, it's Giving Sunday, or I'm new, is this church always chatting about giving? And it's not even like, you know, on the street sometimes when you've got those clipboard people or the people trying to accost you with the lanyards and the, and the green jackets, you can't even get out because you're all sat here, like in church, so it's not even like that. And actually, you know what, those guys are really clever, those people who do the marketing stuff on the, you know, the stuff for charities on the street. You guys have ex, what are they called? Chuggers. Charity muggers. Wow, there you go. I didn't realize there was a name, Matt. Thank you for chucking that one in on the podcast there. So if you're listening on the podcast, those people on the street, the chuggers, the charity muggers. But you've got, and you've got to be wise to their trick. They're very clever because often there'll be two, won't there? One on either side of the street. Do you know what I mean? But I figured it out. You just got to walk to, it's a bit like rugby actually, you're sort of carrying the ball, you're walking down the street, and then you've just got to look to the left, look to the right, and then go diagonal between the two of them, and then boom, you've sorted it. Do you know what I mean? That is literally how you avoid chuggers. So, uh, so there you go. So I just always think it's worth mentioning at the beginning of every giving talk that there's always a mixture of feelings when we come to the topic of giving, particularly when churches talk about giving, because 
You could have had all kinds of different experiences when it comes to churches and finances and all that kind of stuff. But I want to remove all of our expectations today to put them to one side. Because like I said, really the job of every preacher is to open up the Bible and say, oh, what does the Bible say about this particular subject? So that's my aim today. As we look to God's word, that we can see actually like what the Bible says about giving. So we're going to look at a passage from 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I love this passage. I'm going to read it, and then we're going to pick up just a few verses out of it. And we're going to hopefully see a few different things. One thing we're going to see is why we give. We're going to answer that question today. Why do we give? Secondly, we're going to look at how we give. And then thirdly, we're going to look at the result of our giving. So let's jump into it. Let's jump into the passage. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 9. It's beginning to read from verse 6. And I've realized that I've not really briefed the uh, guys at the back on the, on the PowerPoint there. So it, it may appear on the screen if they're super clever at doing this on the fly, or it may not. You can find it on your phones, or if you've got a Bible with you and you're old school, you can follow along. Right, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. Remember this, says Paul. So this is a guy called Paul. Whoa, well done, tech team. I, while I was reading that and you started clapping, I was like, there's an, there's, an, there's an anointing on this talk. The Lord is here. It was just because the words appeared. It's really easy, guys, I think. Anyway, back to the, back to the passage. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. Remember this, says Paul. So this is a guy called Paul. He wrote a letter to a church in Corinth. It's in uh, modern-day Greece. And he talks to them about tons of stuff. This is about giving. He says, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase, and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way, so that you can be generous on every occasion, and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Okay, so that, that's the text. There's so much that we could pull out of it, but like I said, I just want to answer those three questions today. Let's start with why. Why do we give? What's the point? What's the motivation for us to give? Well, I want us to focus on a verse that's just, just before this one in the previous chapter. In chapter 8, verse 9, Paul says this. And he's talking about like the motivation for giving. He says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. Okay, let's unpack that, okay, because that sounds quite complicated. So he became poor so you could become rich. And this isn't talking about a financial richness. It's talking about the riches of heaven. Like Jesus literally was the richest person in the created universe, world, cosmos. Like he was with God in the beginning. And it says in the Bible that he laid aside all of that. He kind of took all of that off and became like one of us. He humbled himself. He became like one of us. He was the richest and he became poor. Why? So that through him, we could become rich. Not necessarily financially, although sometimes that happens. But it's not talking about a financial It's talking about spiritual richness, spiritual blessedness. He became poor so that we could become rich in him. He gave himself. So I think the first thing we see in terms of why we give is we're copying Jesus when we give. Does that make sense? We're emulating what Jesus did when we give. He gave of himself He blessed us. He gave everything. He became poor so that we could become rich spiritually in him. We could have a relationship with God. And there's something about that. Like when we give, we copy Jesus. We do what he did. We bless others. We give to the work of the church or whatever it might be. So something about giving is like copying Jesus. Secondly, we give because giving is liberating. Our world is a material world. Like Madonna says, we're living in a material world and I am a material girl. Sometimes these things just come to me while I'm preaching, guys. I never planned this stuff. I'm sure you can tell. But our world is material. And we're told all the time that happiness is achieved through attaining more things, more stuff, maybe a nicer car, a nicer house, nicer possessions, whatever it might be. Our world is is material and materialistic. And so much of the kind of energy of of the world, of advertising, of social media, drives us towards buying products or experiences in order to make our lives better. But I think we all realize the futility in that. I don't know if you've ever had that experience of buying something and then immediately having what they call buyer's remorse. Anybody ever suffered buyer's remorse by show of hands? All of us have. We've all bought things thinking that it would fill that hole in our lives, but it hasn't. I sometimes tell a story of when I first became a Christian and I bought a a new car. It was a Ford KA. It had alloy wheels, metallic paint. It had a CD player, leather seats. It it was was a brand new car. It was like a Jaguar. It It had leather seats. It had a CD player. That's a little reference for you 90s kids. Okay. So it was just the nicest car. And, and I literally, I, 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 you know, success, spent money, but I committed 
to buy in that car and pay in several payments in order to possess it, believing I would become happy once I possessed it. And I remember very clearly, and you may have had an experience yourself if you've ever bought anything on on credit or finance, driving out of the, the showroom and that sinking feeling of realization that that thing that I've just bought will not actually make me happy. Anybody else ever had that level buyer's remorse? And I'd like to say that was the last time I learned my lesson, but there's been many other, mainly cars and vehicles that I've driven away from people's driveways or showrooms. And I've had that same sinking feeling, but I think I've learned my lesson. I think I've learned my lesson. We just bought a very sensible car, didn't we, the other, the other week? Very sensible indeed. So um, I'm very happy with it. And yeah, I didn't have that sink. I had that sinking feeling when I bought it because it was a boring car. And I wanted to have a nice car, but I've got five kids. I need to find a car that's got seven seats. And I don't think anybody ever walks into a car showroom and says, oh, yeah, I love that lovely car with seven seats. It handles rubbishly around corners and has a terrible miles per gallon and that, you know, that sort of stuff. But anyway, nonetheless, I digress. We've all had that experience of buying something and then having that buyer's remorse. Why do I say that? Because when we give to something that doesn't directly benefit us, it's liberating. We free ourselves from that way of thinking. We free ourselves from the material world. When we invest our finances, as Jesus would say, our treasure, when we give that to something that doesn't directly benefit us at all. Now, that might be giving towards church. That might be blessing somebody with a Deliveroo voucher or just putting 200 pounds through your friend's door just to bless them or something that you do that blesses somebody else where you're not directly like the recipient, where you're not further in your own interest. That is liberating. So why do we give? We give because we're imitating Jesus. We give because giving is liberating. We also give because giving builds faith. It builds our faith. Somebody once said, show me your bank statement and I will show you what, what your priorities are. I think they put it more, more poignantly. I think they said something like, show me your bank statement and I will show you what you worship. I was like, that, that, is, a, that is a convicting statement, isn't it? But it is so true because where we invest our time where we invest our energy, and yes, probably most importantly, where we invest our finances is where we invest our lives, our priorities. What is our, our priority? So when we give to the work of God, we're giving, and that is an exercise of our faith. We are exercising our faith in Jesus when we give to the work of God. So it's imitating Jesus, it's liberating, and it builds our faith. That is why we give. Secondly, how do we give? I think this is very important because there's quite a mystery around how do you decide what you should give, if you should give, and so on. And the passage that we read earlier on is so practical. I come back to this passage all the time when it comes to giving because it gives us just a very easy framework when it comes to giving. 
So how are we to give? Nine, chapter 9, verse 7. I'll just read it again. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I love that. It's, it's what you've decided in your own heart. Giving is a very personal matter between you and the Lord, and it requires you to talk to the Lord about what he's calling you to do, how he's calling you to respond and to give. So it talks about a settled conviction. It also talks about not reluctantly, doesn't it? And I think that's massive when it comes to giving. If you feel today under compulsion, as it says in the passage, or reluctant about giving, do not give. Because God is not interested in that kind of giving. What does it say in chapter 9, verse 8? It says, God loves a cheerful giver. We should, that was one of the responses again, wasn't it? <laughs> not under compulsion, because God loves a cheerful giver. Wow, we're doing it. We're doing it today. Come on. Um, and I think that's really important. I don't know about you whether you've ever felt pressured into giving towards something. Some of you may have felt pressured to give towards church historically. And that is not, that is not how God wants us to give. It may have been as, when, when I used to go to Ikea quite regularly, we had a season like when our kids were small going to Ikea. It's a great place to take kids, isn't it? It's like a, well, it's a free day out, but you always get drawn into all kinds of stuff. You know, I just, was, I just came for the meatballs and I ended up with a car full of stuff. You know, we've all been there. Um, and there was always like, every time I left Ikea for a season, there was always like, I don't know, air ambulance charity people outside with buckets. And they'd always shake them and you'd always feel really guilty. You never had any change or anything like that. And uh, well, I'd never gave to them. But if I would have done, if I would have given to them, I would have felt compelled, under compulsion, relu under compulsion, reluctant. And that is not how God wants us to give. God wants us to give how he wants us to give cheerfully. When we give, we're joining in with the work of the Lord. So when we give, don't give carelessly. Don't just give without thinking, how is this going to impact my finances? Can I afford? What level of giving can I afford? Think about that. That's a good thing to do. Don't give carelessly. Don't give reluctantly like you're being compelled or you have to give, but give cheerfully. That's how you give. Very, very simple model. Love that. So we've looked at why we give. We've looked at how we give. And then finally, let's look at the result of our giving. Again, just a little bit after this passage, it talks about the result of our giving. So this is chapter 9, verse 13. And Paul says, because of the service by which you have proved yourselves. That, that, that's talking about giving. It's a bit of a weird way of phrasing it. But he's talking about essentially by your giving, you have proved yourselves. Others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ. And for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. The result of our giving is that 
we know in our hearts and others know as well that we are obedient to Christ. There's something about giving. There's something about it that shows what we truly value. And it will be a witness to other people, a testimony to other people. I love talking to any like banker or, you know, sometimes when people ask about your financial details, if you're going for a loan or a mortgage or whatever, I love being able to show in my finances that there's at least 10% there that is just given towards the work of the church. Because that, that's, a, that's a witness, that's a testimony, that shows what is truly important. And it says, this is what this passage is saying, it's saying obedience in, in giving financially is accompanying your faith in Jesus Christ. In other words, we're not just talking the talk of a relationship with Jesus Christ. We're walking the walk of a relationship with Jesus Christ. Obedience is following our confession. And also, what compels us to give is giving towards something that really makes a difference, right? None of us want to give towards a dead, useless cause. That would be demoralizing and useless. But how about imagining that we could establish something here right at the heart of Preston in this ancient church that goes far beyond any of us where we can plant churches into other cities like we have done. We've planted into Blackburn and planted into Avonham and helped plant into Blackpool and other places that are coming uh, down, further down the track for us to plant into. How about a radical group of people getting together and saying, yes, I am in. I want to give towards what God is doing because there's a vision here. There's a vision to see the church grow. A church convinced with the idea, the simple idea, that Jesus changes lives. And there's a backdrop. There always is. There's been a backdrop here historically over decades of church decline. We know nationally the average Church of England congregation is 26 plus 2 under 16s. That is not what God has for us and for this nation. We believe in that different narrative where the gospel changes lives and people uh, here committed to that vision is what will make it a reality. How can you play your part in seeing that vision become a reality? And it's one thing to have a vision. It's like maybe if we were building a house, you could have some amazing architect's plans, like just the best. You could get the best architect to draw some amazing plans for your house. We've been watching Grand Designs race recently. I love Grand. Anyone else a Grand Designs fan? Come on. Grand Designs, amazing. And it's so interesting, you know, they, they have these plans, they show them in 3D, you know, and it's, that's my favorite bit, actually, when it does the CGI thing and you see the house as it will be. You could have the best CGI, the best architect's plans, but unless you have the resource, people committed to building it, 
People giving their time to build the building. People giving finances in order to build the materials. It doesn't matter how good the plans are, the vision's never going to be realized. And it's the same with the church of Jesus Christ. We have this compelling vision to see the name of Jesus lifted high in this city, in this region, to see churches not decline and not close, but to be, remain open, be reopened, be established in new communities all across the Northwest. But it's, it's a great vision. They're amazing architects' plans, but they only happen if people say, yes, I'm going to pray for that. I'm going to serve to make that a reality. I'm going to sacrificially give in order to see that become a reality in this nation, on my watch, in my time. One of the things I love about this church building is the stained glass windows. You'll see around that all of the stained glass windows have coats of arms on them, uh, family crests. There's a lot on that side. They're on that side. Uh, there's a, a few at the back as well. And the interesting thing uh, about these family crests is that these uh, were sort of benefactors. They were families, families who committed to give financially in order to build this building. And I imagine some of them gave out of their excess, but I imagine there was many of them where each badge, each family crest probably has a story a story of how they decided to say, yeah, I'm actually going to give financially to see this physical church building built here in the heart of Preston. And I think as we come to Giving Sunday, and I'm coming into land here, as we come to this moment where we ask God how he's calling us to respond, what part we're to play, it's almost like we're putting our family crest into something collectively. I wish we could do that visually somehow. Perhaps in future Giving Sundays, we should look at that. But by you saying, yes, I am in, I am giving towards this vision. It's like placing your, your hat in the ring, your name on, on a plaque, as it were, to say, yes, this is a vision I am a part of. I am standing with this group of people to see the name of Jesus lifted high, to see churches planted, to see church decline reversed, to see people come to know Jesus. How good was it last week to see five people baptized? How good was it on Wednesday just to see the place filled with people exploring the big questions of life? How good is it just to be part of a church that three years ago, there would have been 12 people sat in these seats. And now it's, it's growing. There's space for more growth, but it's, it's growing. It's alive. And all of that happens because people play their part. So I want to call you today to stand with us, to put your name at the heart of this church and to say, I am in. Thanks for listening. Follow us on social media. See you next week.